Welcome to episode 41 of Expanding Beyond. Um, sorry for taking so long to get this episode out. Uh, there were some personal things getting in the way and then there was this kind of European event ongoing. <laughs> yeah, there are these kind of like world events also yeah. going on. I don't know, maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> so yeah, it took us a while. Yes. But now we're back. Ah, how are you doing, Monica? I'm um, re recovering here from a birthday party for my son. Okay, not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. No, I had a very nice uh, spring day. I started training again. I, it, it helps me getting stress out of my system. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to the gym. It's very nice. Then I went for shopping. It was food shopping, of course. Um, so I had some uh, nice pizza at uh, Italy in the city center. Then I came back. So I'm I'm doing good. Yeah, it was a beautiful day. First time yes. I w wore shorts today. Ooh, yeah. I I wore my my mid winter jacket. Like it's not deep winter, but it's early winter, and it was already too hot. I I should have taken something else. Yeah, and then the and the sun went down and became cold really fast. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I thought that it would make sense having the the jacket because in the morning when I got out of the house it was cold and then it was very hot. <laughs> so I have to remember it's time for the very light jacket. Unless it's very early or very late. <laughs> yeah, but they are like a wool pullover jumper stuff like that works well yeah. enough. It's time for the onion outfit. Although if you go by public transport in Germany, it is That's... always uh, the onion outfit. Yes, you are also going to smell like an onion after a while. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we agreed to start with one of my topics today. Yes. So here in this company, we are in this awesome position that we have in our department, people called Agile Masters because we are not necessarily doing Scrum. We didn't call them Scrum Masters, I guess, but they are more or less doing that job of handling all the ceremonies and sort of more or less also being the people that go in between teams because they are in hmm. general responsible for more than one team. So they have, they are, get exposed to multiple teams and they can sort of help us transfer ideas from one team to the other. Uh, sadly, our uh, Agile Master left his last day was this friday hmm. and while they actually have found someone else who starts in like two weeks or something before that they basically told us yeah you're one of the good teams we'll just check in with you once in a while but from now on you are basically on your own because we think you can handle this and it shouldn't be a problem that was actually pretty cool to hear um because you always like to hear how good you are i guess <laughs> On the other hand, it's sort of, it was kind of nice to have someone uh, bring in new ideas and sort of cross-pollinate across teams and have someone with an outside experience or an outside view in the team sort of ask the dumb questions basically to, to get us on the right track. Yeah, I've seen that happening. Like it happened to my team because, I mean, I, our agile coach, that's how we call them, left and then there was just every now and then someone coming into the team, our team wasn't one of the best. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it was interesting to work without one for for quite some time for a few months. I do have to say that it it really depends. Like the, I, this was at Freelalix. We also had another team that was had been stable for quite some time. Like the configuration of the team hadn't changed the composition, and when the adult coach was actually assigned to another team because that team was new and needed help. This other one was left to its own demise. Um, <laughs> and there I like what I saw was that the team keeps working. Like if the team has enough ownership about it, if you look at, so let's go back to the, the very beginning. If you look at the Agile Manifesto, there is nothing like, oh, you have to have a Scrum Master. Oh, you have to have an ex- an experienced Agile practitioner yep. uh, that does only that work. Agile is something that has been thought by engineers for engineers. That's it. So whatever they wrote in XP or uh, in the original manifesto or whatever you want to pick, besides Scrum, of course, and, and even in Scrum, it doesn't say that the Scrum Master has to be someone external. Yeah, that's like it's it's it, it goes back to that conversation we had over uh, Agile some time ago. Agile are training wheels. Those fundamentals. So the manifesto is really the it's basically the values. This is what we want to be, and then everything else. Those are techniques training wheels to get the team to that behavior, but none of it should be prescriptive. So when the team is mature enough, to me, it makes sense that the team does its own things. Uh, that's how you learn also a bunch of other things that usually as, a, as an engineer, you're not trained in while you study computer science, if that's what you did. Uh, you are not taught how to conduct a retrospective uh, or reflect on yourself. You are not taught how to give a presentation about the business value of what you're building or how to prioritize. You're given an assignment and that's it. Yeah. So it it does make sense to me. The way I think about it is that that piece that is missing is what you said at the very last. You need someone with an outside perspective every now and then that brings new ideas and new life into into the team yeah and also i think oftentimes that's also they they sort of naturally also take over the job of a mediator right because they are not as involved in the team as as the rest right and that i think is also oftentimes helpful it can i frankly didn't when it happened to me i didn't like it maybe it's personal i don't know like not personal in the sense of like i didn't like that particular person is personal to me it's, it's something that i maybe because it was my role or i perceive that as being my role like if two of my engineers don't know how to deal with talking to each other that's not up to the scrum master it's my responsibility as their manager to make sure that they get along or get along, or they resolve their their issues, and we keep working. Yeah, I guess it depends on the configuration. Yeah, because our manager is very hands off, and he is basically responsible for multiple teams. And okay, apart from uh, weekly one on ones or biweekly, depending on the person, mm-hmm. and maybe joining a meeting here and there just to see what's going on, they're very hands off. Okay, and I think we are left alone much more. I guess. 
Mm-hmm. And then I guess that that it makes sense to have someone <laughs> to have someone there who, who I don't know. In a daily, you end up with something, or in a retro, then you directly have someone who is not hmm. pick has to pick a side, basically. <laughs> yeah, because they don't care that much. No, that's uh, that's true. I mean, the way I see agile coaches or scrum masters or whatnot is what what I said to you in the pre-recording. I see them as kind of like past a certain point as mechanics. It was like they come, there's something off, they fix it, they go. Or every now and then they come, they check, everything's cool, bye. Something, something in this direction. It's interesting, and I, I didn't think about like being more of a hands-off manager, how that would, hmm, that's very interesting. Yeah, because, because of course you're right, depending on how you slice it and whatever the agile master does can either be responsible of the team or of the manager. I guess sometimes you just make a job out of it, right? Yeah. And then you sort of free the manager to do other stuff, I guess. Yeah, it would be interesting, maybe if you can, one day like share what's the what the role of a manager in your company entice because both in my previous company and my current one it's pretty clear it's not in the role like it's not extremely clear in the role description when you look at the job description but Mm -hmm. internally we do have a set of responsibilities and expectations and whatnot and to me it's pretty clear that the ultimate accountability for what the team delivers, how it delivers, how effective it is, it's on the engineering manager, so the manager of that team. And if you are not there, I wonder how different that feels compared to what I experience every day. I would be very curious. Yeah, I guess we'd have to interview one of our yes, managers then. Yes, <laughs> That would be cool. To sort of see the other side. Mm. But yeah, it is a very hands-off, more... What do they do with all that free time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, do managers have free time? I thought that's not a thing. Yeah, exactly. Like I do not like if I if I if I didn't take care of those things, what would I do? Huh. Okay. Food for thought. <laughs> <laughs> but my experience lately it's it's very different. Uh, we do not have agile coaches, we do not have project managers, we do not have scrum masters in my new company they were never there mm-hmm. so the teams are really self-organizing around agility yeah. but it's um so it's a shared responsibility depending on who does what but for example for me it was pretty hard until now now someone else has joined the team that is also taking starting to take care of certain things but it was really hard to do that job and also all the rest I mean, I guess we're a bigger company. We actually have all those things, right? We mm-hmm. have those agile coaches. I like that name better. We have a product owner for each team. Mm-hmm. We also have product managers. But you don't do Scrum. Then why the product owner? I mean, we do. most teams do Scrum. But ah, sort of okay. on the team level, you can basically decide what you want to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, in technically, we do two, two-week sprints here in, in this team. But oftentimes, it's just, yeah. We're not done with all the tickets for, we've not estimated them all. Let's just start the sprint and push stuff in later once we're ready. So it is a very light form of Scrum. Okay. It's literally, let's try to do what we can prioritizing properly. And yeah, let's, let's 
talk about stories and do what's important and do a retro and the rest mm. is just very lightweight i would say yeah. in our team, i mean i see a lot of the value of scrum basically in in the fact that there's three fundamental things it requires you to plan it requires you to to check in and it requires you to slice things yeah. in small pieces and that's pretty much it yeah um, that's true um the problems only come in when you stick to scrum by the book yeah. even if it doesn't make sense that's true yeah okay we need to interview one of your managers if you hear this bloody we want to talk to you <laughs> yes bloody please <laughs> <laughs> tell me your secret <laughs> <laughs> all right speaking of contentious issues yes so i mean overall i think as a team we we are now in a place where stuff is going pretty well we had our issues in the in the beginning, I guess. There were some discussions where the agile master really helped <laughs> <laughs> to to get us to just um, talk about stuff and resolve them. Right now, we we are we have basically successful finished one small project. Bam! In a new code base, it is being rolled out. We've waited for stuff to blow up and sort of reserved a sprint more or less for it. Nothing happened, and I know we're scrambling to write all the stories to, get, <laughs> to continue working because it was apparently really well executed and it just worked, which is cool. And now we are sort of again in the next uh, project, and it's becoming a bit more contentious in the team again. Basically, between the engineers, there's sadly now a team, uh, a, a sort of two uh, groups, like two engineers on each side, and we are just discussing technical architectural things because like in the beginning of a project you want to work those out or we decided to work them out before we even really start doing it and sometimes it's just very hard to to agree on anything and you sometimes end up in a position where you argue so long until one side is just fed up with it and gives up mm -hmm. and obviously that is not a place you want to be no because you actually want to enjoy your work. And then sort of, you also don't necessarily want to include your manager because the feeling's not going to be much better if he casts his vote on one side or the other. I think this still doesn't feel pretty nice afterwards, I would say. And I just wonder if there's other ways to do these things. So I've been thinking sometimes maybe we are just discussing stuff that's not actually really important. And we just should just get the code written and merged. And if it works, it's great. And then maybe afterwards we can go back and refactor stuff. Because to me, it feels sometimes that the issue is not necessarily that we don't agree, but that we discuss really uh, detailed technical things without actual code mm. or sometimes with a, some kind of pseudocode that's also oftentimes not enough. And I wonder if this is just the wrong approach. I mean, right now we some we have stories where basically the implementation is written into the story, more or less. And I wonder Ooh. if that, that's not necessarily a good thing. So yeah. personally, I'm I'm leaning towards being basically just letting stuff get done. And if someone I mean, if the feature works as required, then it's fine. And if you can then go back afterwards and propose 
some refactoring, then maybe that's the easier approach. I mean, on one side, that's the thing. What is the value of that, like of this discussion of, of going so deep into a philosophical argument over we should use this pattern or that other one we should use, uh, I don't know, like uh, whatever that is, like, oh, we should have this um, endpoint being idempotent or we should have two endpoints to do the same thing. I don't know. Like, so I... So there's, there's two things. One, I guess at this company, many people are, have been burned by the monolith. Yeah. <laughs> where nothing <laughs> like this has happened, right? Someone had started with a good idea and then whoever came next didn't know what the idea was and implemented something on top of it that looked mm -hmm. different. And then the next person came and it ended up being a huge mess. So that's on the one side, we thought, hey, if we are building this completely new code base, Maybe we can agree on some standards. That makes sense. And the second thing is, right, we finished this first project. The second one is not entirely the same, but sort of a similar thing. The expectation is that a lot of them will come, right? Mm -hmm. We have some roughly the same workflow of getting data from third-party APIs into our system. And eventually we want to standardize this and come up with, I don't know, some kind of internal framework for application type where it's easy to add something new. So we we are spending a bit more time on, on these architectural decisions because we want to get something nice in the beginning or as far as we can actually know so that in the end we end up with something that's easy to work with and not so much effort. Like, what you said, if that is what actually everybody thinks, so there's a, it's already a big if, but given what you tell, told me at the beginning, was like the point was to avoid the same mistake as before. There was an idea. Someone else that didn't know about that idea built something on top of the artifact that was not in line with that idea and created a mess. Like involuntarily, mind you, like it's not like someone is sabotaging actively the, the code base. But yeah. if the goal of these conversations is to avoid that, does it really matter about which idea is implemented? The point is to document which idea was implemented and why, but everything else is, there, there is no right or wrong. It, it, that's, it's the sad truth. Like, I mean, <laughs> there is some right or wrong somewhere at some point, but very often we cannot know today what is, what was the right choice. So it's a matter of, trying to manage the risk of that outcome to be the wrong one. Yeah, I think there's also some kind of personal component in the whole thing where someone sure. where someone started <laughs> to, to, to say, hey, but this is the thing it has to be. It must be like this. I won't accept anything else. And then naturally the other side's going to push back. Yes. And then you end up with a situation where, hey, why should I agree on that person? Why should that person always get their way, right? And then yeah. you end up with a situation where, where it's... I mean, I sound very yeah. chill right now because I'm not in that conversation, believe me. But yeah. <laughs> if I yeah, was... Yeah, I mean, it is, it is important sometimes to just ask yourself, why are we talking about a story that is probably... I don't know, two hours of implementation. Why have we spent yeah. now an hour discussing two approaches for this tiny thing? In the end, it probably doesn't matter. And if afterwards you realize exactly. it doesn't work, you just go back and refactor it and you're done. 
it's yeah. probably more time efficient then. So there's definitely that. And there's also the fact that the, on the other hand, it's like, what, what does it cost you to abandon your idea? What is the consequence saying, you know what, whatever, let's do it your way. Yes, there is a personal component to it. And this is what I've been asking myself this past couple of weeks. Um, I've gone through some of those thoughts myself on, on other issues. But when is the right time to let it go? To just say, you know, like, it's not worth it. I do want to be, and I assume this is also what happens to your colleagues. We want to be passionate about what we do. And that's why sometimes also the personal components become so prevalent because yeah. we do attach value to what we do. It, it's what makes our life and our work meaningful to us. But when is the time to let go and say, as you said, in the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter. We will forget about this in two years from now. We wouldn't even know. Mm, yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't think there is actually an answer, but... Uh, no, I mean, we discussed this all last mm -hmm. week in the retro. And I must might add, this was actually a good retro and it wasn't nice. like people blaming each other, but we sort of somewhat objectively tried to state the facts and then try to also try to explain our motivations. And I think that already helped a lot. I'm not sure if we ended up with concrete ideas <laughs> on how how to handle this but at least we discussed it and maybe next time this happens we can actually realize what we're doing and maybe just stop the discussion earlier hmm. but in the end it just comes down to i don't know you need to realize that the other person is actually trying to do a good job as well and yes sometimes you just think oh what what's what's the stupid thing they are now Empathize. telling me again and yeah exactly you just have to realize that's a human being as well that's try, trying exactly. to do a good job there's that and so two things i do uh, we haven't talked about the last uh, line you wrote in our notes we should just chill and get the features out and then refactor after the fact yeah that is actually probably the way to go again thinking thinking about agile and why we do agile the point is to get stuff out there verify your assumption, verify your hypothesis, and then change it in such a way that it's closer to what it's actually valuable. Yeah. And on this team, we are actually in this very nice position that we are, there's, there's basically no pressure, not really no pressure to get stuff out. So we actually can go back and do are that stuff. Are you hiring? <laughs> <laughs> well, not me, not me personally, but yeah, I guess. Always for the right person. I mean, is there a company that doesn't hire if they yeah, know exactly. there's a good person? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was just fun because everybody else is complaining. It was like, oh, I have so much pressure to put this out. And like, yeah, we are in this. I mean, <laughs> if, if you if you come in as a manager, it might just be different because yeah, I that's think the thing. as an engineer, you're always in this nice position that you are basically shielded from most things. I mean, once we say, hey, this is the feature and we are going to deliver it at that point, then yes, there's pressure to actually deliver it that, at that point or early enough say, hey, it's going to be late or something. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, not really. Pressure is not coming to us. That's nice. Good job. So whatever you're doing while you are not in those meetings, Vladi, you're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it's also the the uh, uh, product management department. That's oh yes, I mean yes, they're I mean, always they're always first in line, and they have to tell everyone the bad that's, news. That that's that's the thing. Like when you have a very good product manager, it makes things change like day and night. Although sometimes I would actually, I actually, it, it's sort of a fine line. You you sort of want to shield the team from too much, but you also want to let them know that that stuff is happening Important. happening and that you sort of get a feel of 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 what the how important the things are right absolutely it, it's this um this thing like the team shouldn't be isolated again if you look at system design in the sense of like system theory and again agile and psychology and whatnot or organizational psychology you need to have this what you just described, the right balance between understanding the context and why what you do is important to the company and what is the value that it brings and what are the consequences if that is not delivered with the right combination of quality, scope, cost, time, and whatnot. But at the same time, the team doesn't need to know every little thing. So I see a lot of the role of the manager as this decoupling uh, <laughs> object that uh, dampens the, the the pressure towards the team so that the team can focus. But focusing doesn't mean shielding the team from everything because then you get the opposite effect. The team acts into a void that doesn't give them enough information about to, to take the right decisions about, should we discuss about this two hours implementation for eight days? Nah, mm -hmm. it's like, <laughs> or maybe that is the crucial thing and we need to discuss it deeply. And then it makes sense to spend even a month discussing about what the architecture should look like and whatnot. But without any information about the larger context, the team cannot act with, cannot be deliberate in its decisions. But yeah. yes. So, <laughs> yes, yes, I am right again. Um, <laughs> no, jokes aside. I mean, one of the things that I learned in the past two weeks, uh, and maybe we're going to tell about that today, maybe it's a story for another day, but it's that it's at a theoretical level. It's very easy to, you know, talk over it's like what is right and what is wrong. And reality is so much murkier. It's so difficult and it's so many facets, so many expectations from others angles that um these people see that you don't and vice versa yeah all those humans all those humans <laughs> yes yes but yeah my last comment about agile and also you know like this kind of conversations something that i am thinking about since a while since i had this conversation with the, our chief of staff i was telling her how i am concerned because beyond the product team level I don't see a framework in place to reflect and learn. This feedback loop that we built in product teams in software engineering with Agile, it's like, okay, do so. even product development, actually. Um, they At least in product development, it's applied to the product, not necessarily to the team, but that's a different story. Anyways, but this feedback cycle, this, okay, 
go out, test it. That it's not even agile necessarily. It can be also seen as lean. For example, you see something that yeah. is broken, stop it, fix it, and then start again. All these things, I don't see them at higher, and I'm air quoting, higher um, layers in the organization. And that scares me because I it feels like the reflections are happening, but at an individual level. And this makes the process, the organization learning more, it's not even chaotic, but again, it's not deliberate. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, here, I believe there are now some steps from those agile coaches to sort of expand mm -hmm. and try to bring this basically to the rest of the company. I've seen the value of that also at, at Freeletics. A lot of, I mean, sometimes it wasn't really, it wasn't something that the agile team was doing, but people just picked up some some habits and then they started to just, okay, let's just do it. And uh, they observed the behavior. They said, okay, there's value in this. Let's let's do it also on, on our side. So for example, once a month, we had a session with every manager. And this wasn't only, this weren't only people managers, but literally every manager anyone that had some ounce of influence in, in the strategy of the company to get together and discuss about, okay, how do we feel? What is the next biggest problem? Are we aligned that this is the problem? It didn't necessarily work out, but that's, <laughs> there's many other, but what I thought, what, what I saw in that, in that alignment was that actual alignment was happening. Conversations were happening in groups and not just one-to-one um, because yeah. there the value is diluted. There's a lot of heat generated by the system before an idea really gets to be implemented when a realization comes. It's like, it's um, it's very interesting to see. And the chief of staff was telling me like, yeah, that's true. In, 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 uh, in product engineering, uh, you are much more uh, organized. You are more disciplined in this. I mean, in the end, all these things that we group as agile, they are, they are not radical ideas in a way. No. They're, they're just, I don't know, best practices and they have so, somehow been codified into a system so that you basically can't forget. Yes. That's <laughs> how I would call it. And you just do it because otherwise in the heat of the moment and there's so much to do and then you, you just don't do it. And I think that that's, that's the main thing, not that these are mm -hmm. ideas that are somehow special no one else could think of them it's just you need to remember to actually do it and it's maybe easier if you have a name for it and some kind of routine yeah that is also my impression i'm curious to see because management as a discipline is not exactly new either it's also something that started to be codified around like the 50s and 60s and there are apparently i i bought one i've been told it's very good um there are materials there are essays and books written in the 60s that are still valid to this day. So what I'm curious about is like, how is this, how is that that it's, they still feel so radical as ideas? Yeah, maybe management sometimes is like, has the same problem as development. People are just coming in wherever and then they're <laughs> not getting taught, right? Yeah. And then, then you have those uh, things that have been known since the 60s but if you don't find the information then you just re-implement it all or if rediscover you... it yourself yes 
And again, as engineers, we are there in the forefront. We keep ourselves up to date. We keep studying throughout our whole career. There are people that get into management position and they're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm here. That's that's uh, the school. I'm doing my job. I'm hitting, I'm hitting my goals, but they don't actively try to get to the core of what it is to be a manager. That is very often, again, a human, uh, <laughs> a human problem. Yeah. In the end, I think it's uh, it's interesting to see how such a young discipline like software engineering and product development in the modern sense uh, are actually on the leading in this uh, approach to um, improvement and uh, and management of uh, of organizations. We're doing All right. good. One more topic. Yes, one more topic. So this is not what I was referring to when I said in the past couple of weeks, but I wanted to briefly talk about this this migration that my team is going to perform next week and how, I mean, this thing, organizing it so long because, I mean, I came and it was kind of new for me. I didn't really understand all the implications. I, I wasn't sure where I should start. Project management is hard, actually. So I relied a lot on Vitaly uh, <laughs> to one of my senior, one of the senior engineers in my team to uh, lead this more uh, from uh, uh, from a, a also a technical project management um, uh, mm-hmm. point of view. Uh, he was the one creating the plan. And he was the one setting, you know, it's like, okay, this date or this other date, and this is what should happen and who is going to do it and whatnot. But then I realized, I was like, okay, we know how we got there. We know what is going to happen afterwards. What is going to happen on that day? And I remember once seeing my, I think it was my former boss showing this to me, but I'm not 100% sure. Anyways, I came across this document where he literally listed together with the team a series of steps for, uh, this was a DevOps team. They had to do a migration and update of uh, our uh, database from Mm -hmm. uh, Postgres, what was it, 9 to Postgres 11, something like this. And at the same time, they had to move to Aurora. So it wasn't trivial. All mm-hmm. of this while the application was running or with as little downtime as possible. What he told me was like, basically, he did the three people that were supposed to execute this thing, got them into a room. I was like, okay, let's describe what is going to happen that day in which sequence. And we rehearse it. Like we don't actually do it, but we rehearse it as if it was a... Uh, how do they call it in uh, in uh, movie production? Um, they have these sessions in which the readings. Mm-hmm. So they get together around the table and they just read the script. It's no acting. Maybe there's some voice acting, but there's like you are not dressed as the protagonist. You don't have the scenography around you. you don't have anything like the setting and so on. So we just rehearse what is supposed to happen and we think through those steps and we do this three or four times. And the way he explained it to me the other day, because I asked him about, I was like, hey, remember that one thing? What, what, what did you do? It was like, I see it as a heist. Imagine this to be a <laughs> bank robbery. 
<laughs> I mean, that's what you do. You go through the plan. You have yeah. to sit at the car. The car has to be on. Therefore, you need gas. If you need to, what is the route to escape? And how many kilos of uh, gold lingots are we going to have? And so on and so forth. Will the car have enough space to hold them? Um, and what if the uh, guy at the door that we paid to let us in is going to get sick and whatnot? And I find it fascinating. So this is actually what I'm doing since a week with my team. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let's imagine it's 10 a.m. next week, Wednesday. What do we do? We sit in front of our laptop end. So it was literally a blank document. We had nothing written down and someone just started talking. I was like, okay, then I would, I would do a sanity check. Like, okay, let's do a sanity check. What should we check? This, this, and that. And who can do that? Do we need permissions? Should we do it in uh, the old environment and the new environment? And the advice from my, my former boss was like, keep asking questions mm -hmm. until everything is clear. You are not going to be there. You're not going to be the one executing. So you are naturally curious about what is going to happen, right? So keep asking. And if there are things can be automated, automate them. Write scripts, uh, write down SQL queries that you have to execute. Figure out if it's possible to, I don't know, copy assets from one place to another with a script. This kind of stuff. Assign one person to each step because there should be only one person responsible for doing something. And actually, this document now is like two pages long. <laughs> <laughs> and there were so many things that we weren't aware. I wasn't aware that we should have done X, Y, even like some stupid stuff that I can do, like... Maybe I should actually tell people that it's going to happen. <laughs> like the rest of the company, maybe it could be useful. Um, or, uh, okay, to avoid merge conflict, let's do a code freeze. So Monica goes and announces a code freeze. It was very interesting to see how many things we keep in our head when we say we are fine. It's like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Or, yes, we know what to do. But what do you have to do? Yeah, and it's it's uh, different people have different points of view and you just need to get it all together so that everyone actually understands the same thing. Yes. Like, for example, you said, let's do a sanity check and basically everyone would do something else, right? Something exactly. different. <laughs> There was one point yesterday that we rehearsed and was like, um, we need to verify the environment variables. Like, and... Two backend engineers had completely different ideas about what that would have meant. Mm -hmm. In the end, the goal was the same, but they would have done it in two different ways. And the purpose was also slightly different. So it was it was really interesting to see that that, it, that, that kind of behavior. It, it, in hindsight, again, it's so obvious. But uh. So out of all of this, you're going to get a long list of tasks. That you can have in this document or you can have actually i'm thinking about moving it to to uh, jira because why not we have stuff yeah yeah i mean we are sort of we here i mean the project we are doing that it's like version two of some uh, part of the the application and we basically have to migrate customers from version one to version two mm -hmm. one at a time and then we also basically defined hey here what are the steps who is doing it Is this something the team does or it is like customer support, customer communication needs to happen before and after. Yeah. 
um, some import of some data, some data analyst can do. And we had just ended up defining that and building a, some kind of Trello-like board mm -hmm. where we can sort of keep track of who is doing what and uh, how far we are with all that stuff. And that helped a lot. Yeah. And the last piece to all of this was, again, a suggestion from my uh, former boss, get a hangout, get all the people in there and make them say things out loud while they're doing it. Mm -hmm. I am now going to do, okay, this has been done, still running, next step. That somehow, is that a NASA? I think it is, right? It's, it's something that NASA does, but I have... Uh, train conductors in Tokyo. Exactly. SD, right? That's <laughs> we talked what, about it. Yes. This we is what I remembered. Yes. And I was like, and, and the technique is called point and call because they literally point at shit and they talk about it. So that's how I call those sessions. All right. Okay. Point and call. We're going to do that. And it's going to be awkward for sure. Um, but I do think it helps with, with communication. A lot of what I'm doing right now with this migration, I'll let you guys know how it goes. I saw not necessarily happening last week when we had we had to be kind of like on a call. Uh, I'm going to talk about that next time. One of the hardest thing was that we didn't have a plan. We weren't sure what was going on, how we should have organized. In the end, my now boss uh, took the lead. So he was like, okay, let's uh, let's have a document and let's start writing down what we are doing. I want strategy A, strategy B, strategy C. This is how we're going to do it, blah, blah, blah. And, and we kept updating that document. What I found interesting is that we had to get together every few hours to double check where we were standing because maybe people were expecting that. I don't know. But there was no necessarily no active communication that was um, satisfying as it could have been. So it was always a little bit of information, but not really fulfilling. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a bit weird. And I think that if we would have done something like that. It would have been hmm, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I mean, this is also something like in outages or in some kind of incidents mm. and basically I think even more important than looking into a thing and trying to fix stuff is to actually communicate what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of step one. Step two is actually trying to fix it. Exactly. <laughs> because otherwise you sort of, especially if you're remote, right? It, it's yeah. very hard for everyone to know what's going on. And it's like, if you are proactive and you actually communicate what is happening, then people actually don't have to disturb you <laughs> yes. to figure out what is going on. And you actually have more time to focus on the things. And it might not be that you have only like three people in the room because then communication might be more, you know, there's also the factor of how many people are in a call or in a room for people to speak up past a certain threshold. People tend to stay quiet more often. They don't want to break the silence. Mm. They don't want to be the one on the on the uh, under the spotlight. So when you have to coordinate something that has like last time we were like 10, 12 people in that in that call, if not more. Yeah. Then you have to force the communication. Yes. Yeah. And then about this migration topic, the one thing that I was reflecting, like between organizing, really understanding what were the consequences and executing 
having to coordinate with other other functions, really understanding everything that was going on. It took us months, really. And this was deemed to be the low-tech solution. And I'm really wondering if instead, having done this with, a, I don't know, some sort of, I've seen this done in another, in another occasion with a gradual migration, like putting something in place that literally transcodes users from a state to another could have instead been the way to go. I don't really think it would have taken longer to implement. Yeah, especially if you consider all the fixes you need to do after that. Exactly. (laughs) And this is what scares me. We could have, and even there, like we have tested this, I think right now already like four times until now. So we have tried on staging, on production, because one of the two systems is not online yet. So we can afford to test in to, on some users to test in production. Mm-hmm. So we have tested it plenty of times, but still this is a one-off. If it doesn't go, it doesn't go. And also that kind of pressure and like we could, with a gradual mi- migration, I do remember this about last time I saw migration being done because it was gradual. We were able to spin another server, direct there like 5% of the traffic and have that 5% being converted and see which errors were spawning. And then you do this. I mean, that's literally a canary system that you can put in place and you can fix errors. You're going to lower the chances that something goes wrong and you go, bam, and you do it for the whole population of your users. Yeah, on my team, we have have the advantage that basically each customer universe is basically separate and we can migrate one one customer at a time. And then you start out with someone who has like only a few users, uh, mm-hmm. not that much data, and you can see if it's yeah. working, how, how's the performance, how the other systems affected, and then you realize, yeah, that's fine. And then you can just go ahead and speed up eventually. So that's also yeah, even one way to like do it. Yeah. But in this case, we're just going to dump the whole database and restore it on another infrastructure. And that it's not something that you can do only for a few users. Nope. Or maybe there's also ways to do that that way, but I don't know. Like you still wipe the second database every time you restore the new one. So, but yeah, so that's, uh, so again, hindsight 2020. Well, and with that, good luck, Monica, next week. <laughs> <laughs> we, either, we are either going to hear from you or not. Or and not. We know <laughs> what happened. Uh, I'll let you guys know. I mean, it's going to be an interesting learning again. Maybe I should start writing about this stuff. Um, I don't know. Talking about it is just so much less effort. Yes, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so much. We're going to talk about writing next time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so thank you for listening to the ramblings. It was nice to get to record again. Mm -hmm. You can tell. That this episode is a bit longer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we haven't back. done it for a while. <laughs> we need to catch up. Yes. Yes. How did we end our episodes? Uh, where can people <laughs> find you on the internet, Monica? You can find me on Twitter at KFMolly with an I. Uh, you can find me on GitHub as Nirnaith. Lately, I've been doing some Go stuff mm-hmm. just to learn the language. So you will see my, my dots becoming green again a little bit. Uh, you can find me at my website, monicag.me. 
So uh, that's uh, pretty much it. What about you? You can also find me on Twitter as UJH, um, even though right now I'm mostly reading about world world events <laughs> and not yes. really posting much or or maybe even not reading about world events, depending on the day. If you want to reach us, you can email us at hosts at expandingbeyond.it yes. or uh, reach us via Twitter. Don't hesitate to uh, ask questions, come up with ideas, people we should talk to, anything would be highly appreciated. All right. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And see you next time. Bye-bye. See bye. you next time. Bye, people.